I want you to doubt me. Honestly, I want people to doubt me and say, gee, can't get it done because that's just going to fuel that fire inside of me because I'm going to prove to you that it can get done. I don't care that I wasn't a track star or a cross country star. If I, if this is something that I believe in and I feel like it's going to inspire other humans, it's going to get done, you know, so doubt me all you want. Welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable, a running podcast where we shake out and purposely go off track on any and everything related to our favorite hobby. Get ready to get uncomfortable along with our guests, because growth only happens outside of your comfort zone. Here are your hosts, Ines Babea, Jamie Chen, and Nathan Schiller. Hi, I'm Nathan Schiller. Hola, I'm Ines Babea. Hello, I'm Jamie Chen, and welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable. Our guest today is Gerardo Rodriguez from WEPA. For today's Sports Legacy segment, we're going to go to a very familiar place for GE, Puerto Rico. Jorge Luis Peco Gonzalez Rivera is a former Puerto Rican Olympic runner. He won many races and competed in many international events, such as the Pan American Games and the Olympic Games. In 1982, he set the all-time record for the Ponce Marathon, which as of 2019 has not yet been broken. He ran 215.35 in 1982. He also won gold in the Pan American Games in Caracas in 1983 and in Indianapolis in 1987. And at the Central American and Caribbean Games, he won gold in 1982 in Havana and gold as well in 1990 in Mexico City. Gee, did you know about him? And what does it mean to have someone like him set such an example for Puerto Rican runners? How's it going, everyone? Uh, I did not know about him. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm actually more familiar with Beverly Ramos, which uh, I think we've been seeing in more current times. Uh, I don't think I was paying attention to running back then. Uh, I was more trying to, trying to figure out life as a teenager <laughs> in the 80s and the 90s and uh, trying to navigate through uh, Brooklyn, New York. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to do my research, though. I need to know more. <laughs> I mean, he said the record for Ponce, so, you know, you could. It's, it's funny because where I'm from is 30 minutes from Ponce. So uh, I, I know Beverly's from Calle, which is also pretty close to Guayama. I'm from Guayama, Puerto Rico. Um, so, yeah, I got to do my research, man. You just gave me some homework to do. <laughs> hey, G, we ran a few times together back in the sexy pace days with Nike, but I'd love to get to know your background. And you just mentioned that you're a Brooklyn boy back in the days but you represent Queens. So yes. let me get to, you know, hear about you. What is it? The LL Cool J song? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Queens. Don't, don't laugh. Right. I actually wrote that right next to Queens. I said, Oh, cue the LL Cool J song doing it. <laughs> doing it. Doing, doing it. Doing it. Doing it. She represents Queens, but she was raised out in Brooklyn. That's me. That's he was talking about me. I'm just not a female, but uh, <laughs> actually a fun fact. Nas was actually born in Brooklyn, right? <gasps> yeah, he was born in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And no, not many people know that, uh, but he represents Queens to the fullest. Uh, so, yeah, I grew, I grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Um, 20, 23 years I lived in Brooklyn. And uh, my wife at the time, we, uh, she, she got pregnant and she was working in Queens. So we, we migrated to Queens. Um, and I've been here ever since, man. It's 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 a different world. It's it's it's, it's more diverse. Um, I don't know if I can go back to Brooklyn. Brooklyn is a, is a different 
It's a different Brooklyn that I that I knew. A different Brooklyn now. What do you mean? Uh, well, you know, it's been gentrified. Uh, you know, I, I remember going down Marcy Avenue, and it, it wasn't as uh, as gentrified as it is now. Um, and it, you know, it's a little different now. You know, Bushwick was was predominantly black and brown. Uh, Bed Stuy was predominantly black and brown, and you know, it's it's different now. You know, there's a lot more. Uh, you know, people from the West Coast coming over. Uh, so it's, it's a different Brooklyn, definitely. It's a new Brooklyn, which is, which is fine. You know, it's, it's, it's more diverse now. I mean, so, it would be fine if the rents, you know, weren't crazy. But, you know, I mean, that's happened everywhere in the city, though. Yeah, gentrification uh, definitely will raise your, raise your rent. <laughs> uh, according to some of our mayoral candidates, though, the median rent in Brooklyn is only $90,000. Or wait, no, if you guys saw that, the price of the house, the price of a house was so different on each candidate. It just showed how far removed they are. I guess I, I read the reality of the working class. I, I read somewhere that Brooklyn is actually more expensive than Manhattan. Now, it so. is. I could tell you that. I ended up yeah, in Manhattan because it's cheaper than Brooklyn. Right. That wasn't the case in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. So, Gerard, can you tell us how you got running? Like, were you always a runner? I was I was not a runner. Um, I actually in 2015 I lost one of my former students um, to uh, soft tissue cancer. Uh, Rashim, he was he's 24. Um, like I said, I was teaching in East New York for 15 years. Uh, Rashim graduated. I want to say 94, 95, but I kept contact with him. Um, and then no, I'm sorry, not 94, 95. I was 2005. Sorry. Um, and then, uh, he came back to New York in 2014, 2015, and I got him a job with the DOE. And, uh, a few months later, he was like, Hey, uh, Rod, they call me Rod cause of Rodriguez. And he's like, Hey, I have cancer. Um, it was November, 2015. And I said, we're going to get through this. You know, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. Um, and I think Christmas time he called me, he's like, Hey, Rod, it spread to my lungs and my liver. Uh, so, you know, at that point, I already had the mindset, like, this is not going to go well. Um, I lost Rashim in March of 2015. Um, I bring this up because at the time I, I wasn't living healthy or I wasn't making good choices. You know, I was not reckless, but I just wasn't really thinking about my health. And, uh, Melissa John, uh, if you guys know about NRC, Melissa, uh, she's the one that introduced me to NRC. And she kept begging me for about a year. Um, and it wasn't until I lost Rashim that I started really saying, I have to reevaluate how I'm living. I need to reevaluate my fitness, my health. Uh, and I started running with, with NRC, obviously. I started doing the Ready, Set, Go run with uh, Coach Knox and, and, and Josh and Jeggy and them. And uh, it changed my life, man. It really, it really you know, I was, I was going from Sundays at 11 a.m. to now I'm going to the gym and I'm getting on a treadmill for two or three miles. Uh, I'm running in Corona, Queens, two or three miles on my own. And it was just about, I want to live longer. I want to extend my life, right? I, you know, I, if Rasheen was 24, young and healthy and, and cancer was able to, you know, take his life, it was only a matter of time that it was going to catch up to me. So I had to make changes. And thankfully, um, that platform was there where I, I was able to meet so many amazing humans and and make running a part of my lifestyle um and i'm thankful for knox and josh and 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 jeggy and you know coffee actually i met coffee back then as well 
Um, so, you know, meeting amazing humans like that just made me want to keep going and, 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 and just take on this journey of, of running that I, that I know today. So I know that often in Ronan, we talk about your why. So that was your why to get started. So tell us about your why to start WEPA. Um, so if, if anyone that would, that knew me in 2015, 2016, I couldn't, that's all I would talk about. Uh, I would talk about running and how it changed my life and how it changed my mindset and how I'm thinking clearer and how I feel better. And, you know, I was losing weight. I was looking better. Um, I, I always joke that if, if a tree could talk back to me, I could somehow convince a tree to run as well. Um, so th that's, that's the mindset I was. It was just a lifestyle that took over me, took over my, my life. Um, you know, it's something I fell in love with and I wanted to spread it with others, you know? Uh, so I started running with Rue Crew Uptown. Um, I want to say the fall of 2016. I'm, I'm not sure the exact, sorry, the fall of 2015. And, you know, crossing that Triborough Bridge gets a little expensive. Um, so, you know, I, I started talking to Adam, Pinky the Pacer. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Adam. And, you know, he, he already had an idea in his mind that he wanted to start uh, Queens Rebels. Um, so we kind of joined forces, him and I and Adrian and, and Jose and, uh, and JB. Um, and, you know, I, I started working with Adam, but, but I, I felt like something was missing. I felt like it's, it's okay to start with a 5K or four miles, but there's, there's something that people that have never run before can't just start with a 5K, right? Like that whole, that whole shit with the whole couch to 5K, you can't just go from your couch to run three miles, right? So you kind of have to work up to that. And, and I think running set, oh, sorry, ready, set, go allowed me to work my way up. And I wanted to share that with other people. Um, so I had people inquiring, hey, G, I'm seeing your Instagram. I'm seeing you running. I want to run with you. And I'm talking about families, family and friends. And I said, let's start uh, Wet by Sundays. Let, you know, let's go to Forest Park and let's break the track up into, into parts and, and, and let's, let's build. Um, so the summer of 2016, I, start, I started Team Wepa. It was three members. Before I knew it, we had 12, 15 consistent people coming out every Sunday. And I was like, hey, we're on to something. And again, I'm not, I, at the time, I wasn't an accredited coach. I'm not a, I don't have a track background or cross-country background. But, but I, I knew how to inspire people. Um, and I, I guess I get that from when I coached basketball in East New York, Brooklyn. Um, and, 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 you know, I think the biggest thing is, is helping people believe that they can achieve something, right? And, and once you do that, they'll run through a fucking wall for you. You know, like, I hope I can curse you. I'm sorry. I have a, I have a potty mouth. <laughs> um, now you're good. Um, you know, coffee already said the stage with that. So we've had a people. This is a safe space. You can be, you right, know, be cool, you. It's cool. fine. Just, just wanted to make sure. Um, but, you know, like, you know, I, I, what was the guy on, was it Coach Bennett um, from, from NRC? Yeah, Coach Bennett. Mm -hmm. Right. The, I don't know if it's true or if it's a myth, but I've heard he's never run a marathon. But he can get people to prepare for a marathon like no other. Right. So, you know, just just having people believe that they can do it, that they can achieve, whether it's one mile or three miles or, or a marathon was my objective. Right. And, 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 and in 2018, 2017, 2018, we had over 10, 10 marathons. 
You know, so you're talking about a guy that's never, you know, I don't have a, a background in track and field or, or cross country, and we were able to, to inspire people to run a marathon. So uh, th that was pretty much it, just, just to get people to buy in and, and make it a part of their lifestyle. So you mentioned that from NRC, you ended up running with, with Regrew, which is, uh, we run uptown, for those who don't know, and that they're predominantly like in Washington Heights, which is a very like Latino area. Uh, is that something that you were looking for when you wanted to run with people who look like you and neighborhoods like you and what did it give you? I think when you're looking for something to be a part of, right, you look for similarities, right? You look for people or you're looking for an environment that kind of, you know, it's comfortable to you, right? Um, and again, I, I saw Rook, I met Josh at NRC and, you know, he invited me uptown and, and then I met Hector and, you know, I met Ref and, you know, Patty and everybody. It was just so welcoming. Um, you know, just growing up in Brooklyn, I don't, I don't remember seeing any brown folks or any black folks really running in the streets of, of, of Flatbush, Brooklyn, right? You know, when, when you thought of the marathon, it was like, okay, we have to stay home on Marathon Sunday because the streets are closed off, right? Because it runs through Flatbush Avenue. Um, so we watched the marathon on TV and, you know, we, we always thought that it was the fast folks that, that ran the marathon. So I didn't know that people that looked like Hector or, or Ref or myself were, were actually participating in the marathon. And, you know, once I got up there, I just, I just become, I became very attracted to the culture. Um, it was something that I was comfortable in. Um, you know, I asked Josh a few times, I said, Josh, I want to be, I want to be part of Root Crew. You know, wh where do I sign up? And Josh was like, nah, nah, gee, you know, it, it's, it's not feasible. And I'm like, but Josh, like, you know, I run with you guys every week. And he made a valid point. He said, you know, we want people from uptown or, you know, in, in that area, in that environment, to be part of Rukru because that way you don't have any excuses that, Hey, I'm in Queens. I can't make it this week. You know, I'm in Brooklyn. I can't make it out there. And, you know, he made a valid point, but I was offended. You know, I was like, Josh, I was running through uptown before you were, you know, before you were even thought of. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I understand what they have there and they've, they've built an amazing culture uptown um, for, for that community. And I, I always, have the utmost respect for what they've done, Hector and Josh and, and you know, the whole crew, Kelvin, you know, Ref, Patty. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, was, it was a space where I felt more comfortable than any other space, you know, up to that point. I want to ask you how you inspire people because you just mentioned that you can inspire someone to run a marathon without even running a marathon yourself. But you've run a marathon, so you see it from both sides maybe. Can you give us some examples of people you inspired and how you did it? Um, I have a friend of mine, Freddie. Uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess everyone is on Instagram. So his, his, his tag is uh, no IG Fred. And um, he actually saw me running, I guess, in Forest Park or through Queens or whatever. He saw me running a few times and he hit me up. He, you know, he texted me or called me or whatever. And he's like, gee, I, you know, I want to run with you. This is a guy that I knew for over 20 years. And, um, I, you know, a lot of people ask me about the running group or how, how they could be involved, and then they just disappear, right? Well, he actually showed up. And when he showed up, it was just like, yo, you're going to feel the vibe. You're going to feel inspired when you're here. I think that's what we try to do, right? We try to inspire people, make people feel comfortable. Doesn't matter what your pace is, right? Um, 
I don't know if it was Jesse Sappo or I've heard Miguel say it, but you know, every pace has its place, right? So it doesn't matter if you're running a 13 minute mile or a seven minute mile, we're going to cheer. We're going to cheer for you regardless. So I think the inspiration comes from, doesn't matter how fast you complete it or how long it takes or whatever the case may be, we're going to support you no matter what. Um, and I spoke about Fred. Fred has run, you know, several marathons. He ran an ultra. He ran the OSR 30. He ran, uh, he ran in South Africa. I can't remember the name of it. The Comrades, he, you know, I, 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 it was a whole bunch of miles, 40, 50, 60 miles. I don't know. But, you know, I, I think it starts with the foundation where you're going to feel this vibe. You're going to feel this lifestyle. And you're going to, it's going to, it's going to be something that's attractive to you because it makes you feel good about yourself, right? No, there's no judgment. There's no, you know, hey, you're too fucking slow to run with us. You, you're not fast enough. You're not a real runner because you don't run nine minute miles or eight minute miles. There's none of that shit with Weber. You know, we, we go out, we have a good time. We run, we cheer, we wait for everyone. Even when we, we're cheering, you know, we wait for our very last runner and we make sure that everyone is comfortable. You know, because at the end of the day, you don't want to feel like, oh, man, I, you know, I'm running 13 minutes, 14 minutes. You know, these people are going to be, you know, upset with me. There's, there's none of that. There's none of that. Because to me, if you're not walking, I don't care if you're jogging, skipping, whatever, you're running. You're a runner, right? And there's people that actually believe if you can't run under a certain pace, you're not a runner. That, that's bullshit, man. You know, we, we're all different. We all look different. We're all different sizes. If, if, if you're moving more than you're walking, to me, in my opinion, you're a runner. And, and that's, I think that's what inspires people to try, you know, to try to complete new milestones, whether it's a marathon. Like I said, Fred has completed ultras. I had one of my members, Nadies, complete three marathons in one year. Um, and, and I'm not taking all the credit, but I think it started with that foundation, right, with that this is a lifestyle that you can you can be part of and you can complete whatever your goal is and and we're very supportive um just like every other crew you know we we, we try to be as supportive as possible i just want to um i want to build on i think a statement that you made about how when you were in brooklyn and you talked about new york city marathon day that what you guys saw on tv is when the marathon's on you guys are all going to stay in because you felt like you couldn't relate to the runners that they were showing on TV, which happens to be fast guys. But then when you decided to take a healthy lifestyle, you, um, you started in Nike and you met a lot of guys and then you ran uptown. Do you think it matters that maybe the people that you were able to see you're running with in Nike also looked like you or shared, had a shared background? Like, you know, coming from New York, being familiar with the street and things like that. Um, do you think that that was important for you? And do you think that could be important for inspiring other people who are local to, you know, consider running? I, I didn't feel that vibe with Nike. And, and I don't think it's, you know, they didn't handpick people to, to run, right? Um, I, I think in our community, we don't realize that those opportunities are there, right? Um, Again, I grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, you know, predominantly West Indian, uh, you know, it, it's Jewish on the other side, but, but you, you didn't see much runners, right? Um, I know, you know, people talk about, you know, north of Central Park, you don't, you don't see runners, but, you know, in Brooklyn at the time, I don't recall seeing many runners that looked like me, you know? So it wasn't Nike that attracted me. It was more, 
you know, bridge runners, you know, um, Rue Crew, uh, you know, people like that, you know, Isla de la Corredores, you know, girls running white stuff, people that look like me, you know, whether it was male or female, where I was like, okay, I can fit in here and not be uncomfortable. Um, you know, when you turn on the marathon, I'm sorry, but predominantly it was white males, you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, that's what you saw on NBC or whatever channel it was. You know, so it was it was something that I was like, that's not an achievable goal. That's not something that I can see myself doing one day. It wasn't until I saw, honestly, the, 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 the New York City urban running community that I said, man, I could probably do this shit one day. You know, if 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 Hector Espinal and, and you know, you know, people like that are, are running a, a marathon or a train for these things, a half marathon, man, I, I can do this one day myself. You know, and, and listen, like I said, I, I taught in East New York, Brooklyn. And I remember asking one of my administrators, I said, I can get to the boys because, you know, the boys, I can relate to them, right? I grew up in Brooklyn. You know, I went through the same struggles, you know, whatever. Uh, but the girls, I don't know how I can get to the girls. And I remember my administrator, I'll never forget this. He goes, the fact that you're a man of color, you're a minority, and you're standing in front of them in a shirt and tie and you're giving them instruction is inspiration enough because a lot of times what they see you know in the neighborhood is is guys not being represented in a positive light and i'll, I'll never forget that because it's like wow i'm doing something i'm inspiring someone and i don't even realize it so it's important that we are also included in this environment right uh, whether you're white, Asian, black, green, purple, Puerto Rican, whatever you are, right? It should be an inclusive environment so that we all feel comfortable. Because if we only see one demographic, people are going to be afraid or they're going to shy away and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not invited in, in, that, in that platform. I'm not invited in that environment. Maybe I need to try something else. Um, and so I'm grateful for, for SACE and, and Heck and Josh, you know, for, for creating that, that lane or that platform that we all felt comfortable enough. And, and as you guys can see, not only WEPA developed from there, but Boogie Down Bronx Runners, Mile Style, you know, uh, Bronx Nomads, uh, you know, uh, Bronx Soul, you know, so many different crews. Run, Hustle, Run out here in Queens. We have so many crews out here in Queens now that are so diverse, so amazing that it's like, you don't have to leave your borough anymore to find a dope running crew, you know, and, and, and every running crew has its own identity. You know, when I go to World's Fair, I feel their identity. When I go to Run, Hustle, Run, I feel their identity. And, and, and that to me, when, and when you come to WebBot, you're going to feel, you know, you're going to feel a certain vibe, um, you know, and, and I think that's the most important thing that we all feel like we're a part of this, part of this community, whether it's a crew in the Bronx or a crew in Brooklyn or, or in Queens, but we all feel like we play our part and, and we're part of this environment. Yeah, I think that also leads to the question about access. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned that you're a teacher and then you stand in front of a classroom with a suit and a, a shirt and a tie. And it made me think of like, so are you like the, the stand and deliver coach? You know what I mean? Remember that movie from like, what's his name? Um, James Olmos. <laughs> it's based like in LA and it's like the, the the another version of like I guess what was it like lean on me with like 
Lord you know, Freeman, right? Yeah, Lord, lean on me. That was a true story too, right? Yeah, that was a true yeah, yeah. story. And I think the, the one for like James Olmos was also a true story. So now you are now, you know, the next level for like the kids that you taught. <laughs> so if we can talk about, just go back to like access. So like, let's talk about like the access that obviously you didn't see while you were in high school. But now you as an educator and an administrator, now you have like a New York Roadrunners group at your school for the kids. So tell us like, why was that important for you and what impact do you see for the kids who are, you know, obviously minorities and what do you want them to get that you didn't get by not having this while you were growing up? Like I said earlier, um, you know, it wasn't in our neighborhoods, right? Um, you know, I, I didn't really see it. And, and I also said, you know, it, it didn't matter if it was a tree, if the tree would listen to me, I would somehow convince that tree to run with me. I wanted to spread my, I wanted to spread my love and passion with the kids in East New York, right? Obesity uh, attacks our neighborhoods like no other, right? I, I was in New York, Pennsylvania this weekend. I, I ran a half out there and, you know, the minorities or actually everyone, you know, that I saw was, was, was pretty much overweight, you know, for the, for the majority. Um, I think access or, or creating a platform is, is very, very important. Right. So, you know, in East New York, Brooklyn, you know, we had a basketball team, we had cheerleaders, but you know, how do we keep these kids active to the point where we're starting something and they can adapt this lifestyle moving forward? Um, at the time, it was called Mighty Miles. You know, th- you know, I'm thankful to New York Roadrunners for creating that platform. Um, and I was able to get, I think we were averaging 20 or 30 kids that every Friday afternoon, you know, we were running and we were running inside the school because outside the perimeter was, you know, a little dangerous. You know, and, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, Jamie spoke about, you know, growing up in East New York, it's, it's a rough neighborhood, you know. So, you know, we had a park across the street that sometimes, things were happening where, you know, you know, bullets were flying around or. Yeah. And then you had to come home before the lights came on. Um, Once the lights came on and you you really were limited in how much time you can spend outside if you're growing up on that part of Brooklyn. Right. Right. So, you know, I I coached basketball for for a long time and and I think that helped keep the kids off the street. Um, But then when I started running, I wanted to, to transition into getting the kids to become, to become runners. Um, so that was something that I started over there and, you know, I had, I had some help, which, which was amazing. Um, but again, just having them buy into the lifestyle at that age is super crucial, right? Because, you know, you can get into so much different things, so many different, uh, distractions that I felt like running had to be something that if you're going to be distracted, let's make sure that it's something that's going to keep you healthy and, and, and extend your, your lifespan, uh, so to say as opposed to, you know, doing something negative. Yeah, um, I, I want to ask you like specifically how you do that because it's, if you can get kids to feel like, you know, exercise and running is a part of their life rather than something separate, like an extension or a recess activity, you can get everyone healthy and, you know, keep that up and they can pass that on to their friends and the generations. But it's yeah. really tough when you mention, like you mentioned, there's so many distractions, whether it's things that are contributing to obesity or, you know, unrest and like neglect from the city on the streets. So how do you get people to kids, young kids, as an educator, as a runner, as a coach, how do you, how do you get them to believe 
that they can make this something bigger than just an activity once or twice? Authenticity. I, I, I'm going to keep it 100%. I, you have to be authentic. Kids can see right through you. They can know when you're bullshitting. They can know when you're being honest. You know, so like I said, my passion for running at the time, and I mean, it's still the same. They, they can, t kids can read you like a book. You know, this guy is doing it for the wrong reasons. This person is, you know, he's just trying to get something else out of it. But they can tell when, you, when you're authentic. I, I never played high school basketball. The, the most I've ever played was, was middle school basketball. You know, but I was somehow able to take my kids to a championship. You know, we went to the, to the city finals in East New York, Brooklyn. They, they ran through a wall for me because I believed in them and they believed in me. And it's the same thing with the kids, right? I was, I was so passionate. I'm, I'm, you know, if it wasn't for COVID, I would still be coaching Roadrunners. Uh, they call it Rising Roadrunners now. But, you know, I, I think when you share your passion and you're authentic and, and you're genuine, Kids are going to follow you, man, because kids can see. They can see, like, yo, that, that dude is a fake. He, he's full of shit. That's not, that's not something I want to be, be a part of. And I think that uh, being authentic and, and being genuine is what kids are going to follow. And adults, too, right? Adults, you know, you can go to a crew. You can go to Bridge Runners or whoever. And, and if you don't feel like there's an authentic culture or, or you know, something that's been set in stone, you know, I'm like, nah, this, this is not for me. You're going to move on to the next group or the next group or the next whatever. And, I, I, and, and to answer your question, Nate, like, you have to be authentic, man. You, you, you can't – it can't be no BS because people see right through you, man. And, and that's what the, what the kids – once the kids bought in, I was able to convince them, like, this is something you need to make part of your lifestyle. And they had a lot of fun. And, and that's the bottom line. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't trying to make four-minute – milers or whatever i just wanted them to have fun and enjoy so, it and make it part of their life so did you so marathon monday i guess we can skip to that your first marathon new york city 2017 you know did you take the medal to school the next monday did you show it to them to show like hey look this happened i have proof i actually i think i took the next day off i think i took monday off uh and then tuesday was like election tuesday or whatever whatever it is at November 4th or number, whatever. Um, so we had a PD. So I was still sore. Um, I think I saw my kids either that Wednesday or Thursday, but I did bring my medal. I was like, listen, I I'm a marathoner now. It's actually back here. Um, uh, you know, and what was that I, like? I, what, was, what was their reaction? It, you know, so <laughs> it's funny because when I talk about a 5K or a 10K or whatever, they was like, you know, they were like, oh, Mr. Rodriguez, uh, is, you know, how far was the marathon? You know, how, how long was the marathon? I'm like, well, there's only one marathon. You know, you have different distances, but there's only one. It's 26.2 uh, miles. So they think that everything, every race you run is a marathon. You know, they, they, they're not, you know, they don't know. So you kind of have to, you know, remind them, hey, you know, there's a 3.1 miles, there's a 6.2, there's a 13.1. And also remind them, remind them, the hardest part with kids is, don't go out too fast, you know, because they think that they're going to run that same pace for 100 meters. They're going to be able to run that for 13 miles, you know. So, you know, those, those little tips, you know, you know, pacing yourself is, 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 is important. But um, I think they were proud. You know, they all wanted to touch the medal. They all wanted to see it. And, 
wow, Mr. Wright, you ran. Is your name uh, engraved on it? Did you get it like? Oh, no, no, I, I didn't because uh, I, I was injured and, you know, I wasn't really proud. It was my one and only marathon. You had an aroma, right? Yeah, I have a, a left, yeah, a left Did you, aroma. Yeah, I read that. I have, I had one too. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a great experience, but it was also a miserable experience because, uh, you know, once I got to First Avenue, I was just like miserable because my foot flared up. Um, but I, I got to the finish line, so that's all that matters. Do you teach the children how to spectate, to kind of give them an idea of how to see a marathon? I, I haven't. Um, I actually, uh, 2019 was the last New York City Marathon, right? Um, we were actually, we, we, we stationed ourselves in Queens at, right after the people got off the, the Pulaski Bridge. Um, on that turn, on that turn, getting back onto the Queens Queensboro Bridge, and I actually saw one of my runners, one of my students. He was with his dad cheering, and I went over to him, and he was like, "Wow, Mr. Rodriguez, you know all these people," and uh, you know, so it was cool. So I, I kind of had to hide my uh, my drinks or whatever, but um, you know, he was. He was you were really a booty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to put in a red cup, but um, you know. Uh, you know, he, he saw what, what we put into it, you know, the time and effort and, you know, you know, again, if you're not running, you should be cheering. Um, and he was really impressed with what we were doing. He's still running. You know, we talk about it all the time Well, he's doing five K's and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, listen, you never know who's watching, you know, you never know who you can inspire by, by what you're doing. Um, you know, I, I was taught a long time ago, you know, you should always work like your supervisor is next to you, right? Whatever you do, you should always pretend that the person that, that's going to evaluate you is, ne is right next to you. And you, you never know who's watching because you, you don't know who you can inspire. And, and um, you know, just because they're not liking your photos on Instagram doesn't mean they're not watching. People, people are looking, you know, they're, they're, they're seeing what you're doing. They're seeing your progress. So it's important to make sure that it's, it's a positive uh, it's the positive environment that you're creating. I just want to ask you, so let's, I just want to go back to WEPA because I feel that that's important to highlight. Um, sure. Can you tell me what a WEPA run is like? All right. So first I want to, I want to, I want to tell you what WEPA means, right? So. Okay. We'll start from there. <laughs> you guys know Malcolm and Sarita from, from Nike. I think some of you guys are familiar with, with Malcolm and Sarita. Um, back in 2015, uh, 2016, whatever. Hey, Malcolm, like tall Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, Speedy Malcolm. That, uh, he only, that, that doesn't have social media? No, he only turned it on when he was uh, trying to get a, a free uh, drink from, uh, I can't remember, Juice Press or whatever the case may be. Anyway, we were, we were having a conversation. At, at the time, you know, it was Team LeBron and Team this and Team that. And Sarita goes, you know, right, you know G, you're, you're Puerto Rican. You're Team Weppa. You know, and it, it started as a joke. Like, team Weppa, I like that. Hashtag Team Weppa. And, and whenever I, I completed a run, I would hashtag Team Weppa. And like I told you, when I, was, when I was talking to Adam, I already had the ideas. You know, the wheels were already turning. And, um, you know, we, 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 we created that. Um, a, a run with Weppa is, is definitely, you, you're going to feel the Queen's vibe which is something that, you know, I know a lot of people are scared to come to Queens. They call Queens, Kansas, because it's so far from everything that, you know, there's not a lot of public transportation. Um, you know, I, I, there's not tr public transportation like, like there is in Brooklyn or Manhattan or, or the Bronx. Um, but, but you're going to feel a vibe that 
I, it, it's contagious, honestly. Um, so like I said, it was Team WEPA, but I wanted to create an acronym out of it. So it's, it's work, excel, persevere, achieve. And the reason we created the acronym is because I didn't want anyone to feel left out. All right. You know, when you hear WEPA, you're going to, you're already going to associate that's a Latin thing. That's a, you know, that's a Hispanic thing or whatever, you know? Um, and I didn't want that to be the case. I wanted everyone, whether you're Asian, white, black, green, purple, you know, you felt like, Hey, you can come run with this group. And, and honestly, you know, if you come to a WEPA run, you're going to see the rainbow coalition, you know, you're going to see everyone. It's, it's very diverse. Um, because the, the, you know, we, we try not to exclude anyone, you know, it's, it's more about, it's more about the vibes and the inspiration, um, where everyone should feel comfortable. And it doesn't matter your age, your race, your sexual preference. Um, you know, you should feel comfortable when you come to Queens Boulevard on a Thursday evening and, and run with WEPA. You know, we have a couple of people running with their speakers and they're playing, whether it's reggaeton or it's, you know, hip hop, 90s hip hop or whatever the case may be, <laughs> you're going to have a good time. And again, you're going to find your place. Uh, so we break it up into groups. You know, we don't like to call it pace groups, but we know we'll say, listen, group one is 830 to nine, but somehow they, they, they drop it down to seven because they get very competitive in group one. You know, group two, we try to stay 930, 10. And then, you know, group, group three is, is, is 1030 plus. We even have a walking group, you know what I mean? So, you know, like I said, everyone, everyone should feel comfortable when they come out on a Thursday afternoon. Um, and that's what we try to do, man. We, we want to make sure that people could keep coming out and keep feeling comfortable when they come out. So can you tell us about your routes? Like, how do you choose them and what makes them special? Tell us about the Queens routes. The, give us some inside your favorite places, how you get people around the whole borough, what gives it that flavor? Okay, so... We were running out of out of Corona before, um, so we were running out of all the right, which is on Corona Avenue. And I, I used to like this route that I called the Tour of Queens. Um, we would hit, you know, uh, Roosevelt Avenue, which is the heart of, of Corona, and we would run down to City Field, right? Not many people have ever run to City Field, um, and then we would run across uh, across the, the the park and go to, to the Globe to the to the to the uh, Unisphere. Right. So, you know, you're getting and then we will run to to the Hall of Science. So you're getting that Queens, you know, you're getting that culture. Um, so that was that was something we were doing in Corona. Now that I'm in Forest Hills with, with, with Queens Bully, um, I, I tried to incorporate um, different uh, aspects of the neighborhood that people aren't used to. Uh, so there's like a little bridge um, that goes over these train tracks that we like to cross all the time uh, in, in Forest Hills off of the 67th. 67th Road, um, and then there's another bridge that uh, across the uh, the Van Wick that is it's brand new that we also incorporate. So again, it's 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 about exposing people to, to things that they didn't know existed, right? Like, oh, you know, I, I might have seen it while I was driving by, or maybe I walked by, but I never run this this area, right? This this overpass or whatever the case may be. And and I've gotten feedback like, hey, man, I, I've not, I've lived in Queens my whole life. And I've never seen Forest Hill Stadium. I've never crossed this little bridge. I've never, you know, been on Queens Boulevard knowing that people ran. So again, it's just exposing people to different uh, routes and culture that they haven't been to, haven't been exposed to before. So you mentioned um, 
you want to represent Queens, your group is diverse, and you had no running background. So tell us why it was so important for you to be certified with the USATF and um, the process. So when I started running, when, sorry, sorry, not when I started running, when I started Team Weber, uh, there were a lot of whispers, right? Uh, people even said shit to me in person. You're not an accredited coach. Like, oh, that's what they were saying? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, you're not going to last two weeks. You know, who's, who's your accredited coach? You know, you got knocks with Black Roses. You know, what do you bring to the table? And I was like, if I can coach 12 to 15 young men in East New York, Brooklyn, and I don't have any basketball background, I'm pretty sure that I can coach or inspire people to run in Queens, New York. Um, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was people that I actually cared about and people that I actually helped build some of their visions that were doubting my vision. Right. And, and that really bothered me. Um, but again, I, I don't give a shit, you know, you can doubt me all you want. It's, it's gonna happen. It's, it's gonna, if, if, if I, if, what is it? They say, if the mind believes the body can achieve or whatever, that's my model. Listen, I don't, I don't care how slow I run or how long it takes me or whatever. You're running in the front, I'm running here. If I believe that I can inspire you to be part of this lifestyle, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm telling you, man. You guys spent 20 minutes with me. You're going to be like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to run through a wall for the G. Um, and, and, and that's just what it is, man. It's just, you know, making people believe that this is, this is, this is something they need to be a part of. So did you want that as well to just like, not just like to quiet the doubters, you know, the haters, but also to like, just create the foundation that, you know, to be taken seriously? I always reference um, Jay-Z and Damon Dash, the, the, the whole Rockefeller um, situation, right? Like I appreciate that you go back to your Brooklyn roots. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, you know, I, I you know, I remember Jay-Z says a line, he goes, you know, you, you said you made Jay-Z. If you made me, then make another one, right? Because no one makes you, right? You, you are inspired or you do what you feel is right, right? So whatever, Dame Dash thought that he was the all be all and then Jay-Z took over Def Jam records, right? I want you to doubt me, honestly. I want people to doubt me and say, G can't get it done because that's just gonna fuel that fire inside of me because I'm gonna prove to you that it can get done. I don't care that I wasn't a track star or a cross country star. If, I, if this is something that I believe in and I feel like it's gonna inspire other humans, it's gonna get done, you know? So doubt me all you want, you know? The only thing I can't do is dunk a basketball because I can't jump that high. But everything else under this sun, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I try to get it done. Um, and yeah, that, that's, sometimes you need that. You need that. You need those doubters. You need those haters so that you can get your, your point across. You can get the shit done that you, that you want to achieve. So tell us about the Queens Running Collective and what you guys have been doing in the community to just support the different, the different groups, especially during like, I know like the Queens Fire, maybe have you guys have kept, you know, the Queens Runners active during the pandemic tell us about that all right so um about about a year ago i want to say um we started a chat with a, diff a couple of different running crews um and we would we were trying to get 
raise, we were trying to raise funds for the, the, the people in the front lines, the, uh, the people that were helping with the pandemic and, and stuff like that. Um, and from there, I said, you know, we're all doing something simultaneously, but we need to bring this together, right? So I, I brought it to the crews and I said, we need to create a group that all of us are part of. And, and I came up with this Queens Running Collective idea. Um, and, you know, we had Run, Hustle, Run. We had Queens Distance Runners. We had Woodside, Sunnyside. Um, we had Hellgate, you know, a couple of crews. We had We Run Hollis. Uh, we had Weber, obviously. And I said, we're all doing the same thing, but we're not supporting one another. And, and that, to me, is important because I feel like you need to expose you know, uh, if if the crew in Hollis is 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 whatever they have their Hollis um, platform, I have my platform in Corona. You know, you have your platform in Jamaica Avenue. Why is it that we can't visit one another and support one another? Um, so at the time, you know, the protests were going on with, with Black Lives Matter. Um, I actually have the shirt on Black Lives Still Matter, um, and we was like, you know, once the media kind of stopped covering what was going on. We wanted to say, hey, this is still going on. And, you know, these lives still matter. Just because you're not covering it doesn't mean it stops. Um, so, you know, we wanted to do something in Queens. So we started with Run, Hustle, Run in Jamaica, which is a predominantly African-American uh, neighborhood. So we started with Run, Hustle, Run. We did uh, Black Lives Still Matter. Um, from there, we, you know, we, we did other initiatives. Um, I, I hosted a run to, run to Vote initiative because, again, you know, people in our neighborhoods, don't go out to vote. And if, and if they do vote, they're going to vote Democratic. You know, they're going to vote blue. And I think that it's important to get the politicians into the neighborhoods so that they can try to get our votes, right? And they, they have to let us know what they're doing for us, right? I, I heard someone say that before, where, you know, black and brown usually vote Democratic. And I don't think that should be the case. I think you should hold these, these, uh, these politicians accountable, right? So the only way you're going to do that is if you vote more, right? So we did a run to vote initiative. Um, right now, Woodside, Sunnyside is, is doing a, uh, a anti-Asian uh, run, I think this weekend coming up on Sunday. Um, so, you know, there, there's so many different things. I feel like with running and the community that we created, you know, there's a platform that we have to be responsible enough to share what we, we believe in and our values. And I think through running, you know, with what coffee and, and, and power are doing, um, it's important that we're not just running just to run miles, but to run for a purpose, right? Um, you know, I know they call so, it run to, run to protest, but I think it should be called run for purpose. Um, do you, yeah. In, since you were, you know, a student before you're an educator for your career, um, you've seen the way that our society has evolved on these issues. Um, where running is, you know, a, a form of protest for racial and social justice. But um, do you feel like it's a, we're going in the right direction? Like there's a big evolution? Did, did, were you aware of this, um, that's, you know, there was a form of protest like this when you were a young student and a young kid in your neighborhoods? What, what's the connection between back then and now and how do you use that to educate the people that you're working with? I, honestly, be, before last year, I, I don't recall any run to protest. Right? This is this is something new. But but I also think there's a there's there are so many runners in the New York City urban 
running community that we can make enough noise where people are seeing what we're doing, right? When, when we did the Black Lives Still Matter run, I remember I was, I was, I was so happy we, we shut down Jamaica Avenue. Wow, what, what an accomplishment, right? We were able to stop traffic and, 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 and people saw us and, and they were seeing what we were, we were fighting for. And then I turn around and I see coffee, you know, he, he shut down the, the Brooklyn Bridge, you know. It, but, but just the, the community has to also acknowledge the people that are part of the community, right? Um, you know, Power says, uh, el, el pueblo salva, salva, solo el pueblo salva el pueblo, right? The community is only, are the only ones that we're going we're gonna to be able to save ourselves. And we all have to buy in, right? Um, so yeah, no, to answer your question, I never did see any type of protest in this way, um, you know, you're fighting for social justice or anything else. Um, but I think with the community that we've created and the numbers and, and, and the capacity that, that we have, I think that it's grown to something that I don't think people were ready for. And, and I remember the, the first run to protest, there were like five, 600 people out there, you know, and, and, and I think in solidarity, it's, it's important to show that we're working together, that we're coming together because we believe in the same thing. So how do you, you have two sons. Yes. I think, I don't remember their ages, but like they're teenagers and one of them is about to be also a teenager. Yes. So how do you bring this conversation to them uh, to be aware, one, the importance of voting, the importance of protesting, and just the conversations that you have with you know children who are you know non-white who are minorities and how to move in this space like in new york city like you said like i think when you and i had talked you mentioned that the police used to harass you right. you know just for standing where you were so tell us about how do you bring that conversation now home to your to your sons um from, from a very early age, um, because this, this didn't just start now, right? It, it didn't start with uh, Ahmaud Arbery, right? It, it, you know, this is something that we've been seeing forever. You know, I remember, you know, in, in 92, uh, you know, Rodney King or 93, you know, whatever the year was, you know, this is something that we've been seeing for a long time. You know, Amadou Diallo, you know, people that have been killed senselessly, you know. John Bell. Um, Eric Gardner. Right, Queens, talking about Queens. Um, you know, so things that we've been seeing for a long time in New York City. Um, and, you know, so from an early age, I've always taught my kids, if someone asks you what race you are, you tell them you're of the human race. If they ask you where you're from, you're from Earth, right? Because to me, that's, that's who we are. If we can get back to that, that we're all from Earth and we're all human, then I think that somehow, some, maybe this is my whatever belief, if we can start treating each other and, and, and forget about religion and race and, and, and gender and whatever, we can start treating each other, each other with more respect, you know? And, and I know that it's, it's something that it's going to take a long time to get there because even within our own culture, you know, there, there is, there is separation, there is segregation. I was talking to someone earlier when they were talking about living in Louisiana and, you know, having three siblings and two of them were lighter skin and two of them were darker skin and there was some type of discrepancy there. You know, I think when we stop looking at skin color or we stop looking at religion or gender, we can start, treat, we can start treating people 
with more decency, you know, and Ness and I spoke about it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, it's fucked up that these accidents, these incidents keep happening to the same type of people, right? Whether it's a black male or a brown male or a black woman, you know, it's, it's, it's fucked up. But I think we have to somehow as a society have to get to the point where we treat each other equally, man. We, we all bleed the same fucking blood. You know, we all, our hearts pump the same blood. If we can somehow get there, I think we'd be better off. And again, there's bigots. There's people that are stuck in their ways. You know, they, you know, they're, they just don't, they don't see it. Um, you know, with these polarizing, you know, with, with the presidents and, and the politics and all that other stuff, I think it makes it worse. But to answer your question, Inez, I'm sorry, I, I kind of rambled a little bit, but, you know, my, my son is 16, my oldest, Jordan, and he comes to me, actually, and he, he talks to me, well, you know, Obama this and Trump that, and, you know, so he's seen it for himself. He's seen the inequalities and, and the way these presidents or, or these politicians are polarizing and they're, how they're dividing this nation. And, and my 12-year-old, I, I, listen, for, for Black History Month, he, he researched Malcolm X, which is one of my heroes, you know, and he did that on his own, you know, and, and, and I was so proud. I was like, wow, man. And he was asking me questions. I'm like, you know, did, did you know that Malcolm X lived in Queens before he was assassinated? And, you know, we drove over to Malcolm X's house in, in East Elmhurst, you know? So these are things that I'm glad that there, there's so much information available now with the internet and, and, and all these different platforms. And they can bring it back to me and I can tell them how I feel. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, force my views on them. You know, I mean, I'm a liberal, obviously. And, you know, I want them to be able to develop their own thoughts. And, and then we can have a discussion. You know, luckily, they have the same views because they see the inequalities. You know, they see the social injustice on their own. You know, a 16 and a 12 year old, I wasn't thinking about that at 12. You know, I was, you know, I was just trying to play football, whatever the case may be. So I'm so proud of them and the fact that we can have a conversation and, and they see it for themselves, whether it's, you know, they're researching on YouTube or, you know, meet the media, whatever the case may be, but we're able to have a, a an adult conversation because it, it really is, a, a, you know, you have to be responsible to have this conversation, but I want them to develop their own views and understand exactly what's going on. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Malcolm X, like that your son, you know, did that for like Black History Month. Because I think, as you said, like in, in a lot of ways, how like, you know, the way the society is now, they found so many ways to keep us divided. Whether it's like, you know, if you're a Latino, you can't be pro-Black, you know, because that means that it's taken away from you. Like if you're pro-Black, you can't be like pro-Asian. Or so how do you find it that to teach them about inclusivity and also that, that you can partner with someone who is also a minority and the last thing to take away from, from you, especially because I noticed that, I know you and I talked about this in the past where like, even in like in the Latino community, like there's like the difference is like, you know, you could like be like an Afro Latino or you could be just like, you know, the whiter Latinos. Like how do you bring that togetherness to say that 
you know, we can protest about the same thing because we all benefit from, from one from it. It's not just one over the other. I think it's, it's leading by example. You know, it's, it's how you treat people. You know, I, I've been a firm believer of, you know, I'm going to treat you the way you treat me. I'm going to, you know, if I feel like you think I'm less than you because I'm from, you know, a certain part of the world or I speak a certain language, then, then you've lost my respect. You know, and, and, and I want my kids to understand that, you, you know, you give people the respect that they give you. You know, if, if, if they judge you because your last name is Rodriguez, if they judge you because you look a certain way because your hair is curly, then listen, now you know where that person stands, right? And it doesn't matter because a lot of times we get judgment from our own people. It's not just, you know, white folks. It's not just black folks. It's not just Spanish. You know, so, you know, judge a person by their character. As cliche as that sounds, if you feel like a person is judging you because of where you're from, then maybe that's, that's not, you know, that's not a relationship you want to have. And that's something that I, I teach my kids because, listen, there's good in everybody. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're from, right? But if you show me that you're a bigot, if you show me that you think less of me, then that's that right there. I can already tell you, I'm not, I'm not fucking with you, you know, because, you know, I know my worth. You know, I know, I know who I am. I know what I've accomplished. And I want my kids to know their worth. I know that you're a strong man. You know, you're a strong human. And, and people should judge you based on what you can bring to the table, not where you're from, not what religion you're part of, what's your, you know, your sexual orientation or, you know, what gender you identify with. You, you should be judged on your character. And, and again, as cliche as that sounds, I, I think if we can get to that point, you know, we, we'd be all right as a society. Well, I think that's going to be a great, great segue to our hot mic. That was like a little like audition for you to give you, you know, two minutes of uninterrupted time to leave um, the our audience with a message about what WebBuy means, where WebBuy is going, and how else you can bring attention to Queens. And then Nathan is going to be in charge of the minutes uh yeah i'll set the timer yeah but if you just want to do a brooklyn versus queens thing that's fine too maybe he could freestyle for two minutes (laughs) you're gonna drop some bars no i'm I'm gonna i actually want to talk about something that's actually impacted my life so yeah oh that this is your space it's your safe space (laughs) let me know when you're ready nate go for it um so yeah, like like I said, um, WebEyes is it's been a instrumental in, in building community in Queens. Um, you know, I'm so glad that I was able to to uh, fight the naysayers and 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 believe in my vision and and, and you know create something where people felt comfortable and, and they felt they belonged to a space. It hasn't been easy. Um, you know, I I I can tell you that it it's actually destroyed two of my relationships. Uh, with, with, you know, people that I've been with, um, you know, it, it definitely played a part in, in destroying my marriage. Um, and, you know, my most recent relationship, it, it definitely played a part. Um, you know, a lot of times we're with people that are not part of the community, um, not part of the culture, and, and they don't really understand. And, and I'm not just speaking for myself, because I know there's a, a few other captains that have gone, gone through it you know, um, you know, and, and talking to them where their spouse or their loved ones 
don't understand um, the culture or, or what we're trying to build, the community that we're trying to build. Um, but, you know, like those other captains, and again, they're going to remain nameless because I don't want to, you know, get too personal, but we're building community because we feel like it's important, right? There's a culture, there's a lifestyle that people depend on us every single week, whether it's a Tuesday track run, whether it's a Thursday social, whether it's a Saturday long run, um, it's a culture and it's an environment, uh, a lifestyle that we've created and people look forward to it. Um, again, it, it cost me, honestly, uh, two of my relationships, which, which hurt, you know, and, and, and I wish it wasn't that way. I, I wish the people that I was with understood and I wish that the people that are with these other captains um, could understand what, what we're trying to do. And, you know, um, but it, it, it doesn't come without the consequences. Um, so if people think that this is easy or we're doing this shit for the hype or the fucking brands, that's, that's not why I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? That, that's not my reason. That's not my why. That's not my purpose. You know, I, again, we, we try to build community. Um, again, I'm not your typical runner. I don't look like a runner. I'm 210 pounds. So, you know, um, building community is, is essential. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you lose important pieces of your life along the way. Um, but as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, um, I, I hope, you know, that my, my, my goal is that it comes back to me. You know, I, I somehow receive that positive energy, you know, in a, in a positive light somewhere along the lines. Um, but again, it's, it's not easy because, you know, you're taking away attention and time from, from your loved ones. Um, you know, my kids, my, my ex-wife, you know, the person I was with early, uh, recently, you know, it, it definitely takes a toll, you know, because while you're running and training and doing all these other things, that person has to hold down the, the fort. You know, um, so, you know, enough respect to those people like Coffee and, and Hector and, you know, people that keep doing it for the love and, and, and you know, um, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. And I don't think this is something that's ever talked about. You know, people talk about running and how glamorous it is. What they don't see is, is the behind the scenes and, and, and the dark moments that we have and, you know, the conflicts that we have with the people we love because it does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of commitment to be a leader in this community. Um, I wish that more leaders in this community would speak more about this um, because it would help me out to, to navigate, you know, my life and, and, and what I've been going through. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's my spiel, man. I, I, I just think that it's not all, it's not all glamorous, man. It's not all, you know, you, you get a you get a free pair of, of, of running shoes. It, you know, it's it's bigger than that, man. And you know, Ness asked me about my kids and you know, I worry about them and how I'm able to inspire them and uh you know, set an example for them and, and you know, I'm I hope, you know, I can only hope that I'm doing the right thing. I can only hope that I'm setting the right example so that they know what a leader looks like. They know what it looks like to believe in your vision and and create or develop a community. Um, but again, it, it comes with a cost, you know, and I, I'm not going to compare myself to Dr. Martin Luther King, but, you know, I, I know he had marital issues and, and, and stuff like that. And again, I, there's some captains that I know of that, you know, are, are no longer with their loved ones because 
because of this community. And, and they may say it was other things, but ultimately it, it's the, the, the time you take away to develop these communities that impact your, your relationships with the people you love. And, um, you know, we, we have to be mindful of that. We have to make sure that we're devoting enough time to the different parts of our lives so that, you know, we can continue doing what we're doing. I'm not gonna make light at all of what you said. I think it's very important. Like I know whenever I see Coffee and Power, I ask them, are you taking care of yourself? How are you balancing all the things that you're doing? But I need to ask, Nathan, how long was it? I think we got, we have a PR for our, my segment right here. How long was this? Uh, I clocked it in at five minutes at least. So he just PR'd the hot mic. Weppa! I think that deserves that, right? <laughs> oh, I hope that's a good thing. I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, it's a good thing. I'm glad that you brought up, um, you know, like you said, that is a toll when you uh, envision creating something for the community and, you know, you, like I said before, like, whenever I see Coffee and Power and I said, like, I know you're doing all this, I want you to also to take care of yourself, you know, right. like, that is also important. So before Nathan closes, I, have, I meant to ask before... So for the marathons, you did 2017 New York City. Are you a one and done? Uh, I'm, I'm actually signed up for Berlin. Um, let, let's see how this summer goes. Uh, let's see, I, I, just, like, I, I just completed a half in, in York. So if I can build a nice foundation, I've, I've lost a lot of weight. I, I told you I was going through a breakup. So, um, you know, so I, I have to build that foundation again. Um, and I think if I can build that foundation, then I'll, I'll start training for Berlin in the fall. Um, hopefully things open up and we can- right. Well, I mean, I, I did Berlin 2019. So like training for that, I want to say is June. Because- Yeah, yeah right it, around the corner. It's right starting right after Memorial Day is the cutoff. Yeah, I trained Berlin I, too. Yeah, I was thinking more like July, but- um, No, 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 July. <laughs> no, no, yeah, starting June. Right, listen, but you've I, been running. <laughs> I'm in a transition right now and I don't know if I want um, to make that commitment for four months. Um, I kind of want to work on myself and, and find myself a little bit and, and, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, that I, that I'm doing the right thing. And um, so, you know, again, I'm going to take as much time as I need. Um, so if it's going to be July, then, you know, it'll be July 1st. But um, again, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not taken away from the people that I care about um, that I'm devoting enough time to them. So that, uh, you know, when I do accomplish this, it's not like, well, you accomplished this, but this, this other thing suffered, right? Um, and, and that's what happens, you know. Us runners are very selfish, you know. We, we think that everybody's running at 7 o'clock, you know, 7 a.m. On a, on a Saturday morning, and that's not the case. And, you know, we, we have to be mindful of, of the people we live with and the people that are important to us because... Um, well, I mean, you know, the way I see are, it, if, if you're happy you're going to make those around you happy. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how I try to bring it down. Like if, if, you know, a happy person just brings happiness to other people. Yes, I will bore you with my talk about running, but I would also support you in whatever you do. And then Absolutely. before I forget, I also wanted to ask about this, a, a subgroup of WEPA, Las Weponas. Tell yes. us about that. And then Nathan... It's all yours. <laughs> um, so La, Las Weponas were born in uh, 
December or January, it's January 2019, um, I noticed that we had a lot more females in the group. Um, and I want them to have a space. Um, so I started talking to Rosemill and, and Cynthia, which were, you know, the two female captains. And we started discussing, let's, let's have a monthly run where it just represents women, right? Um, we started calling ourselves Los Huepones. And, you know, it was like, well, what about the Las Hueponas, right? Um, and it's a made up word. It's not even an actual word, but we wanted the, the young ladies to have their own space and to be able to have an all-female run without any influence from the guys or feeling pressure from the guys. Um, unfortunately, COVID happened, obviously, and you know it got cut short a little bit. But um, Sin and, and, and them, they, they've been doing walks and stuff during the pandemic. They've been trying to do different things. Um, but I think it's important for the females to have their own platform and not feel the pressure from the guys um, so at first, you know, the guys wanted to be as supportive as possible, but we also kind of fell back because like, listen, this is their thing. This is their baby. Let, let's make sure that they do it the way they want to do it without any pressure. Um, so hopefully once, you know, things open back up, you know, the way can, 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 can get back to their mission and, and what they're trying to accomplish. But it's something that I'm, I'm extremely proud of, man. It's something that uh, I think is necessary for females to have, have their own lane and have their own space, you know. Oh, Gerardo Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really wonderful, invigorating conversation, and you've laid out an incredible humanitarian vision for the future and hopefully even more so the present. Um, I want to thank you again for joining us and to my co-hosts, um, Jamie and Inez, and of course, to our listeners. We will see you on the next episode of Let's Get Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Uncomfortable. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us on the App Store, and follow us on Spotify.